specific parts, and you know that God doesn't do anything halfway. Every single part of that nativity scene has, has an emphasis. And so we're going to break those things down one at a time over the next several Sunday nights and Wednesdays. There's two more Wednesday nights with, the, with uh, Tony Evans. And then following that, I'm going to fill in the Wednesday nights right up until Christmas. And we're going to do these between the Sunday nights and the Wednesdays that, that I have that we can do them and, and try to get as many of them in. There's actually 11 different sessions that you can do in that book. And so we'll see how many we can get in. But there's a lot of good stuff in that. And so I want you to understand that. Has anybody ever done that study before? Anybody ever read the book? Greg, you ever read any book? Just, uh, <laughs> I know, that's why I said that. So, so let's look at some things. So, so we'll get as many of them as a question. But the thing is, every one of those studies points to the question of why. Why? Now, you know, last couple of weeks we talked about, and there were some things said Wednesday night about questioning God, you know, asking why. And I, and I told you then that God provides the question why, or he answers the question why, because when you're seeking understanding of God's word, when you seek understanding of what God is doing, there's nothing wrong with asking why, because you want to understand what he's doing. You don't want to misunderstand anything that he does. And so you, there's nothing wrong with asking why. And so we're going to be looking at that question that, that starts with why. And tonight it's going to be, why did Jesus become a man? And you probably say, well, he became a man because of, of a specific purpose to, to save us, to, come, uh, to go to the cross. You know, why did he become a man? But there's five specific reasons that Jesus become a man. And so we're going to look at those individually tonight, all five of those. And so you think about that. That's not on your handout. Okay, the handout is something, it's going to be accumulation of what we talk about tonight. We'll hit the handout last and then it'll answer a lot of things. And then the handout will be specific for you to take home so that you can go back and look at it. So hang in there with me. And if you take a few notes, that's fine. But, but we'll get the handout on the end. But there's five things that we're going to talk about tonight, okay? The five reasons that Jesus became a man. The five reasons he came to this earth. Number one was to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. Because so many years had passed and so many prophets had, had said that he's coming. There's going to be a coming Messiah. He's coming. The promises in the Old Testament, the promises that the prophet said, said he was coming. And so Jesus became a man because the prophet said he was coming and that, that he would become as a man. And so that's God's word. The prophets were speaking from an inspired word through the Holy Spirit of what God wanted them to pin down. Okay, And we're talking about hundreds of years before the event even took place. So that's the first thing, because of it satisfied the prophecies of the Old Testament. The second thing, Jesus became a man to show us the Father. He became a man to show us God the Father. Because if you knew Jesus, you'd know who God was. If you knew the love that God had for his people, you would know it through Jesus and through his actions. So the second reason he came to this earth was to show us God himself. We can't look at God. We know who God is. But to see the love that God has for us through the actions of Jesus. So that was number two. The third thing that he came, Jesus came a man to save us from our sins. That's what we know. He came for a purpose. We were, we were sinful. Uh, we're circling the drain, so to speak. There's nothing we can do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. So he came for the purpose of going to the cross to die a sacrificial death, willingly to give up his own life as a sacrifice once and for all for us. So he came to save us from our sins. Number four, this is something that, that we, I've been preaching on for the last several weeks. Jesus came to sympathize with us for our weaknesses, 
for the, for the struggles that we have. He came so that he could endure every single thing that we would endure through our life so that he could say firsthand, I have overcome that. I have done that for you. I've showed you how to get through that situation. He did everything for us. He, he encountered every single thing we did, but what? But sin. So, so every single thing that we're dealing with, even loss of life, you know, he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He, he felt loss. He felt pain. He felt struggle. He felt temptation. He felt every single thing. And so he came so that he could sympathize with our weaknesses. Number five, Jesus came. He became a man to secure our hope in heaven, to secure our destiny, to secure our eternal home in heaven. So those are the five things. Anybody want me to repeat them? Y'all write them all down? Or you got them in photographic memory? We are. Thank you, Amanda. The youngest person in here is going to snap off at me. <laughs> okay, let's move on. And then at the end, if I haven't covered it, the fifth one, Jesus became a man to secure our hope in heaven. Yeah, our, the fact that we're going to have an eternal home in heaven. He came to secure that. Now, he was the way, because when we get to that, my favorite verse is John 14, 6, right? What is that? Anybody? John 14, 6. Speak up. Jesus said, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. He came to secure our hope in heaven. All right. Yeah. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. All right. Can you imagine what Mary must have felt like as she gazed into the eyes of that newborn child? You think about a, a, the birth of a child in general. That is a miracle, right? Any child that's a birth, that's a miracle. When you look at that child, you go what? You just love on it, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like to look into the eyes of the Savior of the world as an infant? Could you imagine what Mary went through? Now, you've got to understand this. Mary is the one that knows for a fact she'd never been with a man. She knows for a fact that she just had a baby. She knows for a fact that this had to be God's hand in this because Gabriel had come and talked to her. He told her what was going to happen. She's had birth without ever having relationship with a man. So she knows this is the Messiah. She knows this is the Son of God, but it is an infant. And she's looking. Can you imagine what she was thinking? Can you imagine what she looked at when she held him for the first time, when she picked him up in heaven? You think about your children, you think about your grandchildren, you hold them for the first time. You tell me, what, what emotion do you have with that? Overwhelming. It was, it's overwhelming for your own children, your own grandchildren. But you think about what, what Mary looked in the eyes. Any child is a miracle, but this was indeed a miracle. This child was set apart from any other child that had ever been born in the history of the world. This one was going to be different. This one's not going to just be the same. This one's going to grow the same. This one's going to walk some of the same things, going to do some of the same things. But this child was set aside for a specific purpose. The angel Gabriel had spoken directly to Mary, and her heart confirmed that what, she, what he had said was true. All right? So this child that she had held was indeed the Son of God. All right? So let's look at number one. Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. So let's look at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some scripture, and you just hang in there with me. I'll, I'll give it all to you. In Luke 24, 44, this is Jesus talking, all right? When Jesus says this, Luke 24, 44, Jesus said, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now let me tell you something from Genesis 
through Revelation that all points to Jesus, Old Testament and New Testament. And Jesus himself said, this is the thing he said, everything has to be fulfilled that was said about me. And that's what he's talking about. So Jesus became a man to satisfy the, the prophecies of the Old Testament. Everything that was said about Jesus in the Old Testament had to be fulfilled about his becoming. Now, everything that was said about Jesus in the Old Testament has been fulfilled. And I'm going to share a few of those things with you. The Old Testament prophets spoke frequently about a coming champion. They said things like the coming champion, the, the Messiah, the one. There's all these things they talked about in the Old Testament. From Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament, it all has an anticipation of the coming of the champion. And so if you think about it, you know, right before Christmas, we start preaching these messages and we start studying these lessons about the, the birth of Jesus and about the things that, that took place before the birth of Jesus. But all these Old Testament prophets and prophecies were talking about the one to come. And you've got to understand that all of these Old Testament writings were hundreds of years before it took place. Let me tell you this. How many years are between the Old Testament, the end of the Old Testament, and the beginning of the New Testament? Anybody know? 400 years of silence, okay? Not the amount of time that the Old Testament occurred. The amount of distance that God was silent was 400 years between these two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So it's beyond that that these writings are taking place, all right? Now, they're not all taking place at the same time. Through the course of the Old Testament, you've got writings that are taking place hundreds of years apart about people talking about the same person in Jesus Christ coming to this planet, all right? The prophet books were written over many different writers at various times over centuries. Together throughout the words of the prophets, they were a glimmer of what the Savior was going to look like. The king would rescue his people, and he would restore them to God. Now, the prophet spoke of the one who was to come, all right? And there's how many specific prophecies do you think in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, presented a promised Messiah? Any, any number on your head? How many different prophecies and, and things spoken in, in the Hebrew about how many, how many of these different ones said there's going to be a Messiah? Take a shot. How much? It's over 200. Any. No, you don't have to get an exact one, but hit, it's, I'm going to give you an even number, all right? It's an even number. It's over 200. Less than 400. All right. All right. A good shot. So I'll just give you 300, all right? So three, huh? You both were right. It was less than 400. It was over 200. 300 specific prophecies in the Hebrew Scripture talk about a promised Messiah, about the one that was coming, about Jesus Christ. 300 different prophets, prophecies talk about that over hundreds of years. That's a lot of people saying Jesus is coming. That's a lot of people saying there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be someone who comes to save the world. There's going to be someone who comes to rescue sin. Someone who's going to come to, to secure our eternal home in heaven. That's a lot of prophecies. The prophet spoke about this. Now, let's look at a few of them. Isaiah said that this special deliverer would be miraculously born a, of a virgin and that his name would be called Emmanuel. Now, this was a long time ago. This is the prophet Isaiah saying, the, the, the one that comes for us, the one that God sends for us is going to be born of a virgin. Man, this is a long time before it took place. She's going to be, he's going to be born of a virgin. Man, let me tell you, even when it happened, people said, there's no way a person can have a child that's a virgin. 
And you think about it. A prophet in the Old Testament is telling you that's going to take place in the future. That's going to take place. He's going to be born of a virgin. This took place hundreds of years before it took place. Isaiah 7, 14. This is Old Testament prophet. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. A name for God, a name for Jesus. Emmanuel means God is what? With us. God is with us, all right? He's going to be with us, all right? Micah offered a prediction and, and was both specific and startling. He said the king would be born in Bethlehem and that he would come from a distant past. Now, Jesus Christ was, was present before the beginning of time. He was present before all of these things took place. Before these hundreds of years, he was present. Jeremiah prophesied that the birthplace of the one coming would suffer. Listen to this. Jeremiah prophesied that the birthplace of this one coming would suffer a massacre of infants. Now, Terry's going to read Matthew 2, 16 and 18. This reveals the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophet. In Matthew 2, the New Testament, listen to what he says. Read it first, Terry. Do you think that Herod said, well, hey, I remember reading some Old Testament stuff, and we're going to have to kill a bunch of kids because of it. No, it's because it's the way it's set out. That's what the prophets predicted. There are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ that have been fulfilled. That's the best part about God's Word. That's the best part about knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again. There's going to be a second coming. Because every single prophecy, every single prophecy about Jesus Christ in the past, every single promise that God has made for us throughout to this point has been fulfilled. And so we can count on what He's telling us that's going to happen in the future because He is 100% accurate in the past. All right? Number two. Jesus became a man to show us the Father. That's, that's the most important thing about it. I mean, Jesus came so that we would see God's unconditional love, so we would know agape love. When Philip was talking with Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient to us. He's been with Jesus, but he says, Lord, show us the Father. Give us a picture of him. Tell us about him. Show us, a, show us something about God, and that'll be sufficient for us. And what did Jesus say? Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's the thing. Is Jesus said that, that no one comes to the Father but by me. Man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to see the Father, if you want to have a relationship with the Father, you've got to have a relationship with me. And that's what he's telling us here. All right? Jesus was God in a human body. Jesus is God. It's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the, the part of God that came to this earth, the part that took on a human body, the part that, that, that felt the pain that we feel, the part that felt every issue that we have and went to the cross and was a sacrifice for us. So if you know who God is, you need to know who Jesus is because Jesus teaches you and shows you who God is. All right? You with me? When you see Jesus... 
doing what he did in the Gospels, you're watching God at work. When we see all the miracles, when we see the signs that he did, when we see him going through the temptations, when we see him laying hands on people and causing the blind to see, when we see him just encouraging people, you see God at work. That's the, that's the Father at work through the Son, all right? So the only way you can become a Christian is to know Jesus because Jesus is the way that you know God. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So if you know the Father, you have to know the Son, and if you know the Son, you know the Father, all right? So number three, Jesus became a man to save us from our sins. In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul, Apostle Paul writes this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am what? chief of who I'm the worst of whom I'm the number one sinner he came for me all right all right we had to have a God man to save us and because Jesus was God and man he lifted one hand this is the best part this is the best analogy that you can think of you got Jesus as the mediator he reaches up and grabs the hand of God he reaches down and grabs my hand and between those two he pulls them together and because of him then I can have right relationship with God. He brings us together with that, those hands. He's the mediator. He's the one in the middle. Does that make sense to you? Huh? Yeah, he reaches up, touches God. He reaches down, touches me, and he brings them together and joins us with the Father. All right? At the cross, in the moment of time, he brought us both together. When he, when he gave it up, you know, there's, that's the saddest thing about the cross is the six hours that Jesus was separated from God. You know, it's, it's sad that he had to go through everything, but he went through everything because he loved us. The most excruciating pain that he felt was the fact of being separated from God for six hours on the cross. Not the spear, not the thorns, not the beatings, not everything, not the pain of the, the, of the nails driven in him, but the fact of a separation from God. Now, that's the thing. That's what's important about being saved. And when every, more, every Sunday morning when I tell you you're going to spend eternity in one of two places... And when I say eternally separated from God, that is the most pain that you can experience. And that's what Jesus Christ knew. He was going to go through the most pain. He experienced all the pain. But to be separated from God is more painful than having spikes driven into you. Okay? That's, that's what, how significant that was to him. In Christ, we have uh, not come. In Christ, if Christ had not come, all right, the course of humanity would have been having a downward slope. And we were circling the drain. If, he, if there hadn't have been, if God had just turned his back on us and just said, nah, you know, sweep that one away, just like, just like the flood. You know, just gave it, give it a good sweep and let's start over fresh. If he hadn't have come for us, we would have all been in despair and separated from God. But God Almighty interrupted all of that. He shut down the cycle of the sin by sending Jesus Christ to be our Savior. All right? So if you never put your trust in Jesus Christ, and my Sunday night crowd, I know you have, okay? But the thing is, these are the kind of things that I want you sharing with other people. These are the kind of things you want to talk about with other people, all right? So the thing is, if you never put your trust in Jesus Christ, you cannot know him. And without knowing him, you cannot know God. And without, without accepting him, you cannot be forgiven, all right? That's the purpose of him coming to this earth was for the forgiveness of sins. All right, number four. Jesus became a man to sympathize with our weaknesses. In Hebrews 4, chapters 15 and 16, or verses 15 and 16, we read, 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. All right. That is uh, Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. I didn't do a good enough job getting all that scripture for y'all, did I? I'm going to do better, Myron, I promise. Don't fire me just yet. I need another week or two. Do you know why you can go to Jesus with whatever's going on in your life? You know why you can take anything to the feet of Jesus? And you know why I say you bring it to the feet of Jesus? Don't, you don't tell him how to fix it. You just lay it. But do you know why you can take it to Jesus Christ? Do you know why he hears you and understands you? Because he came down here to experience everything that we experience apart from sin. That's why you can take anything to him. That's why you can take your, your finances to him. That's why you can take your relationships to him. That's why you can take your pain to him. Because he's experienced every single thing that we have apart from sin. He became a man so that God uh, would become touchable, approachable, and reachable. You want to see God? You want to touch God? You want to feel God? Jesus became a man for that so that we have a relationship with him. He is Emmanuel, God with us, all right? Whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, you can be sure that God has been all the way to the end of the road, all right? And when you pray, he will embrace you, and he will love you, and he'll say, I have been there and experienced that. I've been there and experienced that. And I'm going to tell you a simple prayer. You know, when you say, I don't really know what to pray, I'm having a, such a hard time with what I'm going on and what's going on in my life, just say just a simple prayer. Lord, please help me. He knows what you're dealing with. All you got to do is ask for his help. He's going to help you, but just you got to ask for it. Just, Lord, please help me. It doesn't have to be a paragraph prayer. It doesn't have to have a lot of uh, old English words in it. It's just a simple prayer. Lord, please help me with this. I don't know how to navigate through it. Show me how to get through it. All right? All right. Number five, last one. Jesus became a man to secure our hope in heaven. He came down so that we could go up. That was the reason. He stepped out of heaven onto earth so that we could step out of earth into heaven. It's an exchange that he provided for us. All right? Colossians 1.27 says this. Christ in you, the hope and glory. Until Christ comes to live in your heart, you're not fit to live in heaven. All right? So the only way you can live in heaven is if Christ is in you. And there's only one way to God. You come to God by coming to Jesus. Jesus is the one who paid the penalty for all our sins. All right? One day, we'll, we, if we live until he returns, we'll hear the trumpets shout, and we'll go up and be with him. If Almighty God has fulfilled all that he said about the first coming of Christ, then we know we, everything he says about the second coming of Christ will be, will be fulfilled in the same way. And that's great news, isn't it? All right. All right. Let's look at our handout. This is something you take home. I put no blanks on it, so it can't be complicated. All right? It's just something for you to have for information. Get a little bit of scripture, and just for us to go over, some, some easy questions I put on, on these to go with us. All right? So let's look at the first one. The first one is Matthew one twenty three. at C, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. These are some easy questions. All right? What was Jesus called when he was born? Emmanuel. That's an easy one. We're getting, we're getting ready for Christmas, all right? What does the title Emmanuel mean? 
It means God with us. And that's something that God is always with us. Emmanuel came for us. God is always with us. So, so when Jesus came, he was named Emmanuel. God was on this earth. The God-man was here. God is with us. When Jesus left, what did he say? Who did he say was going to take the place? Holy Spirit's coming. I'm going to send who? I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send the Helper. All right? So we, we still have God with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? Does it prove that Jesus was actually God in the body? All these scriptures, the prophecies tell us, man, it proves that he was God in the human body. All right? All right. What are the proofs that Jesus is God are found in the following passage of scripture in John's gospel? So let's think about these other proofs. All right? So let's look at John 1 1. All right? In the beginning was the what? And the what? Was with God and the? Was God. Is that not proof? In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. Let's look at John 8.58. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, what? I am. I am. Name for God. Name for Jesus. Before Abraham was, before anything was, before he was born, Jesus said, I am. Am. That means he was before time, just like we knew. All right? So let's look at John 10, 25 through 30. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered him, the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's the passage of Scripture that secures our salvation. That's what we believe in, in the Baptist faith, is that when, we, when you say once saved, always saved. Now let me clear this up. Once saved means you have to be saved. Once, is, once saved does not mean that you just recited a, 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 a prayer and then nothing changed in your life. Because when you're saved, the Bible says you'll see fruit. There'll be fruit from your life. When you become a believer, there'll be fruit from your life. There will be a change that takes place. If a change does not take place, then you have to wonder, was there really a saving process that took place? And that's between the individual and, and God. That's not for us to decide. But if a change takes place and there's fruit, Jesus Christ says, I know my sheep, which means he knows my, I know my children, and they know me. And nobody can take them away from me. Not even Satan himself. Nobody can take them away from me. I have a secured their eternal salvation in heaven. All right? So is that, let's see, what are we looking for? Proofs? What, did I, what was the question we were looking for? Number four. That was it. Yeah. That is proof that Jesus is God and found in the following passage. So when you look at that, when you look at the, the works that I do in my Father's name, Everything that Jesus did was because he was on a heavenly timetable and he was fulfilling the Father's word. He was fulfilling the work that the Father had sent him to do. All right? All right. Any questions on that one? That's another one of my favorite passages. I got a lot of them. All right? Huh? Like all of them. Y'all have a favorite passage? What is it? Anybody? I don't know it. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Anybody else? They're all from Genesis to Revelation. Good. All right, so let's look at number five. 
What was Jesus' purpose for coming to the earth according to Luke 19.10? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Is that clear enough? Man, to seek and save. He come to seek out. And that's what we talked about that this morning. Man, he didn't come just for the, the healthy. He, was a, he come for those that needed him. He didn't come just for the upper tier uh, rich people. He came for all people. He came for sinners. He came for, for the lower socioeconomic and the high. He came for everybody in between. He doesn't segregate who he came for. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. All right, number six. According to the following passage of Scripture, what must a person do to be sure they're going to heaven? So let's look at John 3, and we, we do this one every week, all right? Just as 14 through 16, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that was specific about him being placed on the cross for the sacrifice, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he, in this way that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. According to the following passage of Scripture, what must a person do to uh, make sure they're going to heaven? Based on what? And in, in that passage, what is it that we have to do? Believe. believe. we got to believe in him. Not in works, but in him, in, in himself. Who he is and who sent him. All right? So let's look at John 5, 24. Looking for another proof. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and what? believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life and that's the greatest news to pass from death to life you know that's the thing is is when we when we lose somebody and they pass from this life to death let me tell you something this this for a christian death is a comma not a period all right it's a pause and then there's eternal life it's not the end. It's not a period. That's the difference between Christians and non-Christians, all right? All right. Still looking for proof. So let's look at the last one. is Acts 16, 30, 31. He escorted him out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is tricky, all right? They said what? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It doesn't say, it, he's not talking about if you believe your household will be saved, but, but if you believe in the Lord, you and your household believe in the Lord, you will be saved. Okay? All right? So believe. You've got to believe and trust in Jesus Christ and place your faith in him. All right? So any questions? You understand why Jesus came? Why Jesus became a man? Wasn't that some good stuff? I say, we're going to have about at least six more of those, I know, if I've counted up right. All right, so we're going to work through those together. Uh, I'll try to get a little better at giving you more Scripture, uh, just because I know how much you love Scripture. Hmm? All right, any comments or anything before we dismiss? If you haven't got your shoebox, grab your shoebox on the way out the door. Fair enough?